Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode 31. Today we're talking about teaching instruments of the orchestra. We'll also share some highs and lows from our week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. going to share some high notes and low notes from our class because we're back to school we are Yay. three days like in, everyone but, else you know. in the world yeah i'm very happy we started with a three-day week with kids didn't it feel like the longest shortest week it was it really was <laughs> but uh, i'm happy it was just three days i got to friday afternoon i'm like oh have yeah. I been here since Monday? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, but the kids hadn't. <clears throat> exactly. But, yeah. It made for a, a nice, short, but yet long week. Exactly. So anyways, Tanya. Yeah. Did you have a high note or a low note today? Oh, gosh. Well, as with any week, I could go either way. Well, of course. But I'm going to focus on the the positive. Well, yeah. i tell you what. I'll give you a taste of each. Okay. okay. Um, low note, kindergartners who I thought might, you know, have, like, matured a little bit. Um, had to redo coming in the room because two of them decided to give chase as soon as they came into my room because here we have a big open space and of course that means that run. means we have to tag and chase each other yeah. so it was one of those face, face palm things where I'm like Ugh, and seriously. here we go again yeah anyway starting over. but we started over so that that's a, a bit of a, a low note but I'm going to focus on a high note. So fifth graders, it was great to restart with them. And I started each class with a what I call a sharing circle. I know sometimes people call them peace circles, but it's that whole um, restorative practice or, yeah. you know, uh, just as a nice kind of like, here we are back at school and we went around and he talk, we talked about um, what's one thing you're going to miss after being on break, one thing you're going to miss from being on break and nearly all of them say sleeping in which is very telling because our school starts super early yeah um kids are in their classroom by 7 45 oh wow and of course we have to do some musical things get back in the flow of of things so um we were playing yay toop daram which is always a big hit yeah and we're going to add some instruments to it we're going to layer some things in but this was just the first time that they had played the game because I've been holding it back for a while. Yeah. And um, it was just really nice at the end of uh, two out of three classes when it was time for us to, like, stop and get ready to leave. I had a lot of, oh, man. Oh, I love that. So I just, I love that. It always makes my day. Yeah. um, you know. And just to share with the people out there, Tanya, yeah. is that the game where you roll the ball and someone's standing in the middle and you're trying to hit yeah, their feet? Toop da rum, Yes, and I'll provide a link because there have been a few people who have blogged about it. Yeah, um, that's a really great song and yes. game. And I actually have not yet played that with my kids. I don't know why. Oh. I haven't done that one yet. So yeah. I would appreciate it if you'd post it because I need a reminder. Oh, yeah. I know I have it somewhere, but, you know. If yeah. you post it, then I'll be able to find it well, quickly. Well, kids love the minor key. Yes. And there's a dodgeball type element Exactly. that. Yeah, the game is super fun. And something else I was really excited about is that they just start singing it. I don't have to ask. Yeah. Sometimes you get, like, this time where you, you have to say, okay, you need to, jo- you know, yeah. this is your part. You need to join me. Yeah. Or, but for this one, it just happens. It's very awesome. natural. Yeah. 
So what about you? Well, I just have a funny little story. So I guess you can call it a high note, but it really cracked me up. Maybe just because I'm a nerd. But um, I had my fourth graders. Um, and again, it was the first time they had been back since break. And they had actually earned a free game choice day right before break that, of course, we didn't have time to do. So I told them when we get back from break, the first time I see you, you'll have a choice day, which was actually a really great way to come back from break, just yeah. to play our favorite games and I might do that with every class next year like go over classroom expectations and just sing and play sing and play sing and play it was just a really fun way to get them back in the swing of things but anyways I was going over our list of games because I kind of keep a running list and I keep it saved on a file and every time we have a free game day I pull up the list and sometimes I have to remind them about some of the games we haven't played in right they're like like, what's that yeah remember this one Mm -hmm. so one of them was Dinah because we had used that at the beginning of the year to review Tika Tika, and the Dinah game that I play is where they stand in a circle joining hands, um, one student's in the middle with eyes closed, or right. I actually do use a blindfold. And they have to get out of the and house. And then they have to get yeah. out of the house, right? You make an opening, and then as the kids are singing, they're listening, and where there's no one singing, that's where they get out of the house. But as I was explaining the game, and I mentioned the blindfold, one kid raised his hand, and very politely, and I said, yes, what would you like to say? And he goes, you know, it's kind of like Bird Box. Oh, and no. I just like lost it and just started cracking up in front of the whole class. And I was like, you're uh, right. Dinah is like Bird Box. Poor Sandra Bullock wandering <laughs> around in the woods. And I haven't even seen that movie yet. And I told that to the kids. I said, I do not like scary movies. And I haven't even watched it yet. But you know what's really funny? Because I did, I, I kind of saw it. Like yeah. I wanted to watch it. So I made my husband and my son watch it with me. Yeah. And then um, like... A little bit into it, I was like, this is a little scary. I don't know if I can handle it. So I opened my laptop. So I was kind of like <laughs> doing, doing other, things. other things and half watching it. Uh-huh. But you were talking about like Dinah. Yeah. And there is a part in that movie where she talks to her ch- the children about like how you can tell where you're clo- when you're close and like Oh my gosh. Listening. So it really is like bird box. Oh yeah. So we could find a little clip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would be appropriate. <laughs> and but... talk about like, you know discerning your your listening yeah totally yeah. well now every time i play dino forever i will always think of sandra bullock there's some meme Bird in Bucks. there i know oh i'm sure i actually thought about trying to find one and posting it to our page at some point but oh. i wasn't clever enough but maybe i will now now that I'll we've said it has to happen yeah, yeah. time for our main theme and today we're talking about how to teach instruments of the orchestra yes and this was inspired by a listener who wrote in on facebook his name is jeff ward and i'm just going to go ahead and read his question so we all kind of know the background of what he was asking so he went through some kodai training already and he said going through kodai levels gave me so many tools to help kids understand important concepts you know talking specifically about melodic rhythmic concepts form things like that but then he said he's trying to be more intentional this year of sequencing all the other things that they should know about music dynamics tempo oh, right. well, form there's form teaching instruments etc so i'm wondering if in teaching those things um if you come if they come up organically or do you actually plan out a sequence right so um back in 
uh, our one-year anniversary of our podcast, we put it out to the masses, you know, what would you like us to talk about for our anniversary episode, and talking about the other things, quote-unquote, That was like a huge Jeff thing that we decided to We make, decided to break it up, because there's just no way we can talk about all those things in one episode. And I will say that we are very lucky in our district that we do have a really good scope and sequence. Right. And it is in there like when you teach certain dynamics when you teach yes. instruments for the orchestra and I mean I don't follow it to a T no but it does give do. you a really good suggested right yeah so that. I mean that's kind of the easy answer right is look at your district resources if you have them right if you don't look at your state standards yes. and national standards the NAFME standards but then if all else fails and it just doesn't feel right or you're looking for some additional ideas then we'll you kind of yeah. break it down for There's you. There's times when it, it makes sense to yeah, do that. Exactly. Sure. So today we're going to focus on instruments, and then in the next couple of episodes of the podcast, we'll talk about the other ideas. Yep. All right, so okay. here we go. So we're going to start with just when you introduce instruments of the orchestra and how you organize. Or when we introduce when instruments. We, yes, yeah. exactly. When we, and then take our idea or don't. And Tani and I don't even do it the same way. So you're uh, gonna well, not exactly. No, no. So I mean, you're gonna hear two different perspectives. I need to up and... my game in reviewing all of these things that I wanted to talk about. I realized that there are grade levels where I'd like to do a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So do you want to talk about how you organize it and when it comes up in your world? Well, I do a big push like at the end of, well, ideally I do a big push at like the end of fourth grade and the beginning of fifth grade, mostly because we take a field trip to go hear the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. And I really want to, I don't want to teach these instruments in isolation right. if I can avoid it. I mean, if we hear a shofar and we see a video of it and we hear a recording, hey, it would be awesome if I could get a shofar player to like come in right. and do that. But, you know, that that's a little bit more challenging. As far as like instruments of the orchestra, there there's a real thing that we go when we do this field trip and it's always been in fifth grade and before that it was in fifth and sixth grade right and so i like it to be close to that field trip sure. so that we're applying it to like real life yeah yeah so you do a big push at that I time dig, and i touch upon it like through the right. other grades but i need to be like he was saying i need to be a lot more intentional about right. when i touch upon it i try to do it in conjunction with Oh, if I know we're going to be listening to a specific like piano sonata, yeah, right, because it connects to teaching a rhythmic or a melodic concept, then I'll take a little more time on that instrument. Or here's a good example: is um, the the celeste, yeah. right? It, when you do Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, right, then you have some extra time if you have some extra time to talk about that specific instrument and. You could also branch off on other percussion instruments and why we might consider that a percussion instrument and why the piano is a percussion instrument. And you could go there. Right. Right. So there's times that it makes sense. I haven't really done um, in a grade level like we're stopping and we're doing instruments of the orchestra. And right. I get antsy when I get away from active music making. I, right. I will be honest that like after a couple of class periods where we're more doing the appreciation stuff, yeah. I start feeling like, oh, oh, we, we should be we should be making music. We yeah. need to be making music, right? Well, so here's how I do it okay. <laughs> to, to kind of appease both of those. So I do more of a unit-centered approach to instruments of the orchestra. And I, I don't know at what point I came up with this idea. It was just probably by accident. Oh, I know what you're going to say, and I yes. want to copy you because it's well, awesome. Well, you can if you want to. So um, the way that I introduce them is um, I always in January when we come back from winter break. And what I've done in my practice is I've split up 
up the four families to four different grade levels. So in first grade, we focus on the percussion family. And in second grade, we focus on brass. And in third grade, string. And in fourth grade, woodwind. And then by the time they get to fifth grade, I tell them, I want you to know all about these instruments so you can make an informed decision. Because in our district, fifth grade is when they have traveling band and string teachers come. And I want them to know what instrument they want to play and what it sounds like and kind of the general idea so they can make And that, that is such a good decision. idea to be really organized like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's worked well for a couple reasons. I mean, coming back from break, I really do enjoy having something really just kind of concrete for the kids and honestly something simple for me to throw together mm-hmm. planning-wise. Plus, it's not like that's all we're doing the entire lesson. The rest of the time in the lesson, I'm um, practicing concepts that we learned before the break and I'm starting to prepare those new concepts right but I'm not doing like anything heavy prep or heavy practice it's just kind of like some light things on the side so like for example in my second grade lesson that I just taught this week um the students came in we did a little review activity with the half note we read are you sleeping and then we transitioned into let us chase the squirrel both of those to practice the half note went and played let us chase the squirrel and then I brought them back to their spots and I started talking about the four families and then the brass family introduced that did some activities with that and then we finished with another half note activity to wrap it up do you have like a wonderful like brass ensemble playing who's that because now that would be amazing I haven't gotten that far no but so it's not necessarily that that middle section of the instruments tie but my point being that we're not sitting and talking about instruments for 45 minutes right because that's not good for second graders that's not good for fifth graders right they need to still be moving and singing and doing active music making like you said well and then at the beginning of the year I don't know if you have this issue too but I this past you know three days I always notice it takes at least one class rotation for us to get back into good pacing because I did not get through half of what I thought I could get through because we had to do some more. In fact, I changed gears after my first days of lessons and I went, oh, we really do need to go back and review like some basic procedural things. Oh yeah. And I did that too. Yeah, totally. So anyways, the point being that I split it up by family in each grade so we can, you know, every grade we do a review of the basic four families and how they're played and why they're families. I mean, and that takes no time at all, but then we really dig into a specific family. And I tell the kids all the time, like my job isn't to teach you how to play these instruments necessarily. My job is to teach you about the instruments so Mm -hmm. that you're educated and you're ready to make that decision when you're in fifth grade. And I haven't done it yet at this school that I'm at now, but in my former school, like you, then we did go to the symphony in fifth Mm -hmm. grade. And then I would do like a big review, you know. And that's also when I talked a lot about orchestral percussion, because I didn't talk about that a lot in first grade. First grade's more like classroom percussion. Can I I ask you about classroom percussion? Yeah. Um, Because, and I, I will be upfront about, I do not have ORF level training. Right. I have like I. I have like a pre ORF level training. We yeah. have a couple of amazing um, ORF. Well, we have a lot of amazing ORF teachers in our school in our um, all of Colorado. But we have two in particular, um, Peggy and um, oh my gosh, I'm I'm spacing out on her name. Someone's gonna shout at the um, audio device right now. But anyway, so we have these two amazing ORF educators who were doing even a two week pre-level one. Oh, right. So I did that right after college. Yeah. And honestly, my first year of teaching, it was all based on what I learned from that. And it was, you know, and I hope to get my level one at some point. Anyway, all that to say, back then, they were dividing up percussion instruments by saying 
the click family, the yes. scrape family. Yeah. Do we still do that? Or is that I, the way that gone I by the break wayside? It up, and I mean, this is just me. And I think I just came up with this for myself. I'm not saying this is like the best way, but I call them instruments you hit, instruments you shake, and instruments you scrape. All right. And I actually do an activity with them where I get a whole bin of all the different percussion instruments that I have in my classroom. I get three hula hoops. Yep. I set them in the in the middle of my room, and we put them in different places. Okay. But then I will intentionally make sure that in this big box, when I pull out the tambourine, for example, I have two of them ready to go. Right. Because the kids will say, well, you can hit it and you can shake it. And so we'll put one in each hoop. Right. So we talk about how there's some. You could do a little Venn diagram there. Yeah, I know some um, teachers split it up more into the materials, the, the well, woods and the and metals and the And what I was taught, yes, and I think that yeah. makes sense too because what I was taught was the jingle family, the scrape family, the yeah. click family, and the ring family. Yeah. Which is kind of like crossing over because, you know, click... Well, I mean, are we talking about, like, the materials or the sound right. or what? I, I personally like my hit shake scrape yeah. um, because I have a lot of second language learners. And uh-huh. so to me, how you play the instrument, the physicality of it, to me was more important than the material it's made out of. Right. That was, to me, more important that they got the concept of that. That because makes sense. Because that also, to me is what makes it a percussion instrument. Because you can have a metal percussion instrument, but then you have a metal brass instrument, and you have a metal woodwind instrument. And you can hit that. Exactly. <laughs> so by focusing on the material necessarily, for me, wasn't as important as focusing on how it's played. Well, that makes Other people sense. might totally disagree with me. but So that's how I organize it, and it's gone really well for me. No, and I've been great. doing it, honestly, like this for many years. And, and, you know, if you have any of the old textbook series, and a lot of those yes. will do exactly what you're talking and about. About. I will give a shout out because that's exactly what I was inspired by. That when I first started teaching, not having my Kodai levels, I used my, I think it's like 1995 copyright, Share the Music, yep. McGraw-Hill. And that's exactly where it came from. And so a lot of the listening lessons and big book pictures, and I, I still use some of those today. Oh, yeah. So, I have I mean, a couple of Don't the, go out of style. I mean, Macmillan, like music and you, we're talking 80s people. Yeah. And I have big books that I still use oh, because, yeah. I mean, well, they the are. recorded lesson that they use in the second grade book for the Brass Family that I just played for the kids that introduces it, it's these two guys that go into the music store and they're buying each other brass instruments but they don't know that they're buying each other brass Aww. instruments and it's they the don't have the magic well, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cute and they don't have any money so he's like well I'll trade you my record collection yeah, yeah. that's how old we're talking and then of course I have to pause and be like do you know what records are <laughs> and then you know I have some hanging in my room as decoration we've talked about this <gasps> oh, before talked, the yeah. blasphemy of it all but anyways I can point and be like that's a record oh and then then we have to move on with life. But the point being that yeah. these are oldies, but they're still goodies. So mm-hmm. if you do have access to any of those old curriculum series, those especially for instruments of the and orchestra. And then if you've got the books, too, there yeah. I mean, there's there's photographs in oh, there. Yeah, there. And are. that's great to like pictures. have those for each kid. Oh, yeah. So let's talk now about our favorite resources. Oh, so many. And, you know, yeah. I will say, and this will be linked in the show notes, I did a blog post. I've done a couple of blog posts like a bazillion years ago. Some of the things that I'm going to talk about, I've already talked about like, oh, let's look. Back in 2012, I did a... Because this stuff doesn't go out of style, No, Tanya. it doesn't. And yeah. I mean, of course, there's there's newer things that we'll mention as well. But I'm just going to give you a link to that. Um, yeah. You know, so that's something uh, that you can look for in the show notes because I use a lot of those same ones. And they're big hits and they're things that have really landed with kids and gotten them to really understand. Sure. Because uh, I do not play all the instruments. Oh, of course. And um, I I bring in my flute because I do have a flute. I yeah. play it 
not very well, but I do what I can. Yeah. Um, and I can bring in like I I played the djembe and congas, so those things I can bring in. But yeah. You're not going to see me with a brass instrument. Exactly. And something that I've really tried to be intentional about is enlisting the fifth graders who are playing the instruments. I'll arrange it with their teacher ahead of time to be like, okay, I need two kids who are playing flute. Do you ask the band and orchestra people who would be best to ask? Well, in a way, yes. I kind of almost more let them know, but it doesn't pull out of band time because it's usually like it's when, like if I'm teaching woodwind instruments to fourth grade and I want flutes to come in, that my my fourth grade specialist block is not when the kids have band. So it's Uh really more talking to the classroom Oh, sure. But I mean, just asking them like... Because you don't want to get a flute player in there who's not making any sound. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 no. I'll talk to them and be like, who, you know. And sadly, right now in my school, we don't have a ton of kids playing instruments because it's just kind of a slow trickle effect of me trying to promote that. But anyways, um, yeah, so I'll I'll get one or two kids who, yeah, I mean, they don't have to play a lot if they can at least just play two or three And it's so much more meaningful coming from the kids, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, if you have a band or strings program in your school, definitely talk to your teacher and and talk to the kids. And even if they don't play the instrument, even if they just hold it and show them how to hold it, I mean, I've had them just do that before, too, because just being able to physically see the instrument in real life, especially if you work in a school like mine that's a, you know, low socioeconomic school these kids don't see these instruments in real life hardly right. ever i mean probably all so you kids. can do like a petting zoo thing almost yeah, yeah. i haven't gotten that far but <laughs> and, well, and if you had um like parents or community members exactly. that play something yeah like i know i've talked about my bagpipe parent before right. who comes in and totally. it's just like mesmerizing when the actual instrument is in the room yeah yeah totally so we're gonna split this up into um our favorite audio resources, visual books, and then just activities, things that we like to do, like games and such. So audio, things that we play for the kids. I mean, obviously there's a gazillion things out there. Right. But what are some of your favorite go-tos? Well, of course, your Benjamin Britten young person guide to the orchestra. Yes. You got to do that. Yeah. Um, Peter and the Wolf Mm -hmm. is something that I, um, I love to leave Peter and the Wolf for a sub for like first grade. Uh, because there's just so much there that they can do with that. And there's a lot of great resources out there um, with kids listening and, and, you know, coloring or, like, naming things or labeling things um, as you listen. Yeah. What are some of yours? Um, Well, since I do break it down, my family, um, the couple that come to mind, like, in second grade, I often play for them, like, a brass ensemble, like, trumpet voluntary. Oh, yeah. Like, with a brass ensemble is a good one. Um, third grade with String Family, that's often when I pull in the Four Seasons by Vivaldi. Oh, yes, definitely. And since I definitely do this um, during January, winter is, you know, my go-to. It's one of my personal favorites as well. Um, fourth grade, when we're talking about Woodwind, um, I like to play Nimbus 2000 from Harry Potter. And we talk about how the Woodwind family really associates well with, you know, things that fly and things that have to do with air and wind and why that yeah. is. So those and are kind of some of my go-tos I like, um... String quartets. Yeah. And I know this is a little kooky, but after you hear some, like, traditional string string quartets, I think it's really nice to bring in some, like, Alban Berg oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah. For them to just get this perspective, an understanding of not everything's going to sound like Mozart. Totally. Right? Yeah. I try to find, especially, and we'll talk about visual in a second, but if you can find that family or that instrument playing something that's, you know, modern or poppy, oh, this yes. is kind of a good time to bring that this in. This is where you get your Lindsay Sterling exactly. and your cello and piano guys. Yeah, and... but I think it's make sure you do a balance. You know, if you start with that, 
I don't want my kids to associate the instruments are always just about playing pop music. I want them to make sure that they understand the classical genre as well. So I usually start with the classical first. It's kind of like your meat and potatoes, and then you get to your dessert, which is all the cute stuff. Not yes. to say that it's not high quality, but it's just more of that eye candy, catchy kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I missed Carnival of the Animals. Yes. I'm looking through some of my playlists, which I should have done before we started recording. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of great things that that you can play. Um, it's it's a little interesting because I kind of leave other instruments for a different time, but once in a while you'll like get a, a guitar concerto, for example. Right. Um, that you can pull in and you can talk about how the guitar is not traditionally exactly. an instrument or a saxophone, yeah. right? And there's that yes. whole history about the saxophone and how it was kind of blacklisted for a while. Right. And, um, that's an interesting takeoff. But then I have trouble, like, getting back to instruments of the orchestra. Like, I get excited and I want to just on go tangents. off on tangents. And then there's all these world instruments, too. Right. Um, which we are calling world instruments, but clearly, you know, if you live in another part of the world, these are just your everyday things. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, you know, we want to not be um, Eurocentric. Exactly. But for instruments of the orchestra, so just a little disclaimer, we really are going to focus on the traditional instruments of the of a European right. orchestra. And then, you know, again, to bring it back to that good old Share the Music series, one of the things that I appreciate is, like, when they, they talk about the brass family and they show the traditional, you know, four or five brass instruments, but then there's a whole another recorded lesson where they talk about different types of horns from around the world. Mm -hmm. And they show, you know, the shofar and animal right. horns and a didgeridoo and, you know, all these different types of horns, like playing a conch shell. And we talk about, even though it's not made of brass, it's the buzzing of the lips. Well, then you're talking about, like, idiophones, and you can talk about yeah. it in those categories. Yeah. But that's for, like... But I That's, do bring that up. I mean, I, yeah. I, I show them the pictures and we listen to this little, I mean, again, this is a little recorded lesson that's already prepared for me. But I think, you know, it is important, like you said, not to be, you know, totally Eurocentric and make sure that you show them examples of, yeah, say these are the traditional instances of an orchestra or of a, you know, symphonic band or whatever, but then also show them some of those other examples too. Right. But then those are kind of also the things that just come up as they come up. They do. So and that's my problem is that I'll run off on a tangent when things come up and oh, I'll get, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about our favorite visual things. Oh my gosh. So many things. Yeah. And there's more and more all the time. Well, yeah. And access obviously to, you know, the internet and videos on the internet is huge. Yes. So one thing I'll say is that um, through my school account, my school Google account, I do have a YouTube channel that I have different um, playlists ready to go for different topics. And so we'll link to my YouTube playlist because I do have one specifically for instruments. And so that's where I keep a lot of those go-to videos that I like to show the kids. And again, I try to do a combination of traditional orchestral things and then fun things. So like the piano guys, for example. Right. I always show them, you know, the happy together, me and my cello, or the cello wars. The cello wars. Both of those is a are huge hit. Yes. Or Lindsay Sterling playing the violin is really great. And there's another one. What is the one with the cello guys who are starting on a stage and they're all Baroque, and then they start rocking out. And oh yeah, I, I don't have that one, but I'll, I'll add that, that one. one is. There's another channel that I have um, 
showed those videos. I think I've mentioned on this podcast before. It's called Rhythm Sticks with an X at the end. Oh, and it's a this. British thing. It seems like it was part of some maybe a British TV show. But they do have these great videos for brass string and woodwind. Um, the percussion one gets a little off, so I, I don't necessarily show that one to my first graders. Oh, wait a minute. Rhythm Sticks. But they're also called like World of Sound. Or, or yeah, House of Sound. House of Sound. Right. right. Anyways, they, what I really appreciate about those is they kind of get into the science of it. And then I think for all three videos, if I remember correctly, they'll show, like, at the end, like, how to make an instrument out of a carrot. Right. Or how, so if you want to do that And that, that was own, a great, like, excellent, like, intro to recorder yeah, type thing. We're yeah. talking about woodwinds. If you want to, like, show kids how to make their own instruments and just kind of the science of it, I think that's a really great Um, And video. I'm going to give a shout out again to um, Greg Patillo. He's a beatboxing flute player. Nice. And he's, I'll be sure to add that one to my YouTube. Yeah, so YouTube. I've got a, it is like two minutes. There's a great, cute video of him playing themes from Peter and the Wolf. Yeah. But then he starts beatboxing. So he plays like the flute, the bird theme, and then he gets into the beatboxing bit. But he's got a few videos out there, um, and those are always a big hit. And, you know, this is one of those territories that I feel like, everybody listening is going to go, oh, of course I know that. Oh, of yeah. course I know that. So, um... I apologize if we're, like, telling you things you already know, but well, hopefully Well, and if there's... you have some really great resources, maybe we'll put, like, a little thing on our Facebook where you can post your favorite, exactly. you know, YouTube videos and things for teaching instruments of the orchestra because we know there's a gazillion out there. There is. So. Um, I wanted also to mention From the Top, which is a broadcast that happens through um, NPR, like, every week, and it's a concert, um, but they have young people come in who yeah. are really... Um, have excelled on their instrument and they interview them and then they play a couple of pieces um, so from the top it happens I think on Sunday well happens depending on when it happens in our family or in, in Colorado it happens on Sunday night so it's always like kind of a fun like dinner listen oh okay nice. uh, but of course you can get this anywhere so in and there, it's from listening the top. or it's videos or it's both well it's both okay. so there are videos that you can watch yeah um, but also it's an audio show that they broadcast. Okay. But yeah, there's definitely little snippets of videos that they show these young people yeah. playing. Uh, so that's a, um, another fun thing. Awesome. Um, oh, and I got to give a shout out. It's very old school. PDQ Bach. Yeah. There's some good PDQ Bach things out there. So, um, am I going to say his name wrong? Peter Shickley? I, the PDQ sure. Walk guy. Yeah, I, anyway, I don't know for sure. I'm really aging myself again. But back in college, it was like all the rage to talk about this this comedian yes. who is like a classical music enthusiast as well, who calls himself PDQ Bach. Yeah. And puts out all of these like um, entertaining skits and things. Right, and right, mostly right. audio. But there is a really fun, it's like an 11 minute thing, but a, there's a really fun PDQ Bach, Beethoven's Ninth, where they treat it like a sports game. Yeah. So they um, talk about, you know, the the um, conductor being out of bounds and then he gets put in a timeout and then there's like a, a groin injury in the base section and they have to take him off. And oh my. anyway, it's very entertaining. <laughs> They've got two commentators who are talking about where is the theme? Oh, it looks like now the string instruments have the theme. Yeah. Are they going to let go? It's really it's fun. Yeah. And it is for older kids. Yeah. Because it was funny because. Um, I usually play it for sixth graders. Don't have sixth graders this year. Right. I played it for fifth graders, I think, a little too early in the year, and they were kind of like, huh? Didn't quite get Didn't it. Didn't quite land with oh, them, yeah. which is kind of sad. Yeah. But, um, you know, 
That's all right. It's a fun thing. It's also worth mentioning, too, again, this is one of those obvious things that most people know, but pretty much almost every, you know, symphony orchestra in the country has, you know, a youth concert or education component to their website. Yeah. And oftentimes there's interactive things, videos, um, things you can read, little audio clips. One of my favorite is the Dallas Symphony Orchestra has a really great kids section. Oh, you can go yeah, to. yeah. And they have really great little mini audio clips and one thing that I love about it is often it's it's different instruments playing the same tune right so like twinkle twinkle so you can compare you know the you different timbre, timbre of the different instruments and you know with the older kids especially you know the octaves and things like that right. so it's like young um, person's guide yeah, yeah so look at your local orchestra website but then also look at some of the big ones and see if there's stuff you can pull from there right so let's talk about our favorite books like picture books so many books about. yes yeah so, you want to go first, Tanya? And oh. I'll see if I can chime in. I don't know. We've got mean, a couple ready to go. Well, it seems like we all know these, I hope. I don't know. Maybe we Maybe don't. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's a good reminder. Yes. The Remarkable Far- Farkle McBride yes. is great for primary. Great right. for anybody, really. Um, and it just, Farkle McBride. And this is, um, the it's written by John Lithgow. Yes. And I th- I know that there's good audio of him there reading is. it. Yeah, it's Which is really worth good. hearing because, of course, all the instruments are played as yes. well. When you sit and you read it to kids, you know, unless you get got a trumpet next to you, it's not really right. the same. But it talks about Farkle. He loved to play, you know, this instrument, and then he was fed up with it. So yeah. then he went and played something from the Woodwind family, and then he was fed up with it. Right. And it turns out that he's meant to be a conductor. Yeah. So hearing John Lithgow's um, audio of it is just really fantastic. Yeah. Um, another one, and I know I've said this one a lot, a lot, a lot, because I'm just a huge Lemony Snicket fan. Yeah. Um, and Lemony Snicket, there is a, um, the composer is dead. Yes. And it is a book... And it comes with a CD, and it's really lengthy. Yeah. And it's definitely for older kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. A middle school is actually the kind of, like, um, dark humor right. that I think it really resonates with the most. But there's also a video of The Composer is Dead, like, in concert. Yeah, yeah. Which is fun to see. But um, a lot of those jokes might go over some heads. Like, at the very beginning, you know, a composer writes music, but last night the composer wasn't write, writing music the composer wasn't breathing. The composer was dead. Right. This is called decomposing. Right. So, you know, those kind of jokes. It's Lemony Snicket. Yes. Um, so good. But another one that's not as well known is called The Philharmonic Gets Dressed. And it's, uh, again, maybe not for your youngest kids because they're going to be giggly about it. But it's really the New York Philharmonic players getting dressed in their apartments before they go and play the concert. Yeah. Um, there's, I don't know, it's not like nudity, but they do see, show people like toweling off after baths and nice, showers and stuff. Nice. Um, and then getting to the orchestra. It's just kind of like a slice of life type of, it is a picture book. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, what are some other picture books that I am forgetting? Well, Tell another me. classic is Zin Zin Zin, a oh, violin. Oh yes, Zin Zin Zin, a violin. It's a really good one. Um, oh, and there's a great reading rainbow. There is, yes. Video. Of Zin 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 a violin. Yes. And it's actually the same Reading Rainbow episode as Abi Yo-Yo. Oh, that's right. Because I've got like a standalone um, DVD. Yeah. So, and Abi Yo-Yo, to hear Pete Seeger. Well, yes. and I'm getting off on a tangent, but you know. Um, Zin 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 violin is wonderful for instruments. Abi Yo-Yo is wonderful for like anybody. Right. But mostly younger kids. And to hear Pete Seeger and his storytelling is just invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really great um, 
book called The uh, Story of the Incredible Orchestra, I believe. I do not know this. And um, it's just, it's a great book that has lots of pictures. I mean, it goes really in depth. It's not like something you would like read in one sitting. Right. But if you want to pull out little pieces of it, it kind of tells. What's it called again? I believe it's, if I'm trying to get the full title, um, The Story of the Incredible Orchestra, I believe. I'll make sure we have it right in the show notes if I'm not saying it right right now and I don't remember the author offhand or the illustrator but I like it because it kind of talks about the evolution of the orchestra so that's something that I pull out like before we go to the orchestra and so they can see how the orchestra's changed over the years. And you can get a hard cover from three dollars. No way. For 43 used on from Amazon. $3 oh, on then Amazon. you're probably going to pay like a gazillion dollars of shipping. But whatever. It's a good one. Okay, you can get a paperback <laughs> from five eighty nine. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a good one. I do like that one. And then um, a few others pulled up that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Meet the Orchestra, mm-hmm. and that's with the animals playing those different instruments. Yes. I forgot about that there one. There is a book, too. I I just saw it pop up. It's it's a book of the young person's guide to the orchestra. Right. And it comes with the CD of it. So if you're looking for And that would make a component. really fun station. It would. And we're going to talk about stations, too, in a moment here. Yeah. Actually, that's a good segue. Oh, look. Let's the maybe... Amazing Musical oh. Instruments. This is one I'm not familiar with. It okay. just popped up. Your guide to the orchestra through s- sounds and stories. Naxos. Oh, I know Naxos. Um, put out a lot of recordings of classical pieces. So I'm sure that, I don't know, but it looks, you know, judging from the company it's from, this is probably really fun. Okay. Um, Anyway, oh, gosh. (laughs) We're recommending something we've never even used on you. That's dangerous. No, but it does look good. It does look good. Well, let's go ahead then and segue into our last kind of section for resources, which is more just like classroom activities. What do you do, yes, besides sitting them on their rears and saying, look, everyone, a violin. Yeah, you got to mix it up. So um, I'll just start with an obvious game, I think, but also yet fun, would be like the Four Corners game. So you can take, if you have like four different posters of the four families of instruments, or you can just write write it, woodwind, brass, whatever, post it in four different corners of the room, play a little instrument snippet. You can use, like I mentioned, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra website, and the kids have to walk to that corner, and if you're standing at the correct family, you get to keep playing, and if you're not, you're out. That's just a yes. really great way to review and, the different And families. if you're out, what do you have outs do, by the way? Oh, they just sit and watch. Okay. I mean, it's not that long of a oh, game. Oh, I know, I know. And then I usually play two rounds. Okay. So the kids who get out the first time really quickly have like a redemption moment because they've watched the game be played, you know, mm-hmm. and then they play it a second time. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun little easy way to just review the four basic families. Right. And I do one um, that I've mentioned many times on my blog um, called Who Am I? where I have pictures of different instruments from the orchestra. And this is after they've learned some. You can't, it's not a beginning of a unit kind of activity. But where I tape a picture of an instrument on each kid's back. Yeah. I have them stand in a circle. And then I just have my clipboard full of uh, the pictures and the, and some packing tape mm-hmm. that gets a little messy, but you know, these logistical things are important. Uh, but I just go around and slap it on their backs and they're not allowed to look until we say go. Right. And you have to ask at least four yes or no questions of people around you. You can't ask one person more than one. Yeah. So we talk about the questions that are appropriate, like, um, am I in the Woodwind family? Right. right. But you can't say, what family am I in? Yeah. And you can't do any kind of motions. Any, it's just like 20 questions. Right. But you try to figure out what's on your back. Sure. And um, if you come to me and you tell me and you're wrong, 
then I give you another instrument to figure out. Yeah. Which actually started backfiring on me this past year because kids wanted more. Oh, interesting. So I had to change it up a little bit. Oh, okay. But anyway, but they want to do it again. Like we do this game and then immediately they ask if we can do it again. Yeah. No, that's really fun. Yeah. And it gets them talking. It does get them. That's really good. I always get a little bit, again, I get a little bit antsy because I'm like, we're not hearing them, but we're describing them and all that, you know. Yeah. Um, I have to give a shout out to Instrument Bingo, the Cheryl Lavender Instrument oh, yes. Bingo. It has a yellow cover. I think I've gone through two sets of those in my lifetime. Like the first one got destroyed over the years. Now, here's what I want with the Instrument Bingo. Yes. When is it going to come out that the sounds are not on a CD, that they are like digital? Right. Is well, it like I that? Just, and I just don't know because I don't I've, believe so, but I just. Can't you just download the CD to your computer? Well, yes, and I have, but (laughs) I'm just really weary of, like, uh, you know, I I had an issue where I tried to leave it for a sub. Oh, right. And I don't have a CD player anymore. Well, I had to go out and buy a boombox just for that reason. Oh. Because, yeah, Instrument Bingo is a perfect sub activity. Yes. You know, it has the recording and the cards, and it's just so obvious. And I know in the instructions, she gives, like, ideas of all these other games you can play with the cards. Mm-hmm. I've never done any of the other no, games I except either. the classic, but I know they're there. And if you but, have, I would yeah, like to know how that went. I specifically went out and bought just a cheap $20 boombox for my sub to use. And I keep it right next to Instrument Bingo on the shelf, and that's, like, my emergency sub. That's plan. awesome. And yeah. I for, you know, I tried to get a boombox box a little while ago from the library. Yeah. They're gone. They've oh. been taken away our district is like snatching away old technology yeah no they're cheap just buy one and have one ready to go I, th- I think it's just a great thing to have no matter what because if your computer you never goes on know. the fritz and I still have lots of CDs in my room. Oh, so yes. yeah, I mean if your computer is on the fritz, you just never know. All right. Um and then I just also want to mention stations that oh, oftentimes yeah. after I kind of towards the end of January after I've done my whole thing with, you know, first through fourth is really who I'm focusing on. Um I do a stations day and this also kind of came out of necessity because in Colorado our state music ed conference is always at the end of January and mm-hmm. I don't go every year but on the years that I do go I found it to be just a perfect thing to leave for my sub then because if I had a sub for two or three days you know that's when I would leave my um, Peter and the Wolf exactly so it just worked really well that we had been learning about the instruments of the orchestra and the stations was kind of like the final wrap-up of that exactly so some of the stations I've used um, interactive things on the whiteboard Um, there are some files that I I don't remember who I got them from but I don't think I made them they might have been like a freebie on the smart exchange thing but you can create these like vortex things mm-hmm. did you make oh yeah these yeah and give them did to i me? make these maybe i've made did. vortexes but i haven't made that they're they're kind of easy to make and i would put them somewhere but i know someone else made them so i don't want to give them away totally but the idea is like you have like string or percussion and then there's like little pictures and you put them in the right, right. vortex so that's a great little interactive thing to leave on the smart board yes and um i've i love doing stations with yeah. the instruments and it used to be that i would have have a listening station and I would hook kids up to a boombox with like a multi-plug thing. Yeah. But, um, duh, these days I uh, just have, I have iPads. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need that many iPads and each kid is just listening on their own. Yeah. Most things that you can find on YouTube that you want them to hear. Oh, yeah. The tricky bit is to make sure they're staying on that link. um, I've done in the past where I've had Chromebooks. I don't have them in my classroom, but I'll check out, you know, four or five and I'll even get a little folding table and set it up in my room and I'll set the homepage of the Chromebooks to be... I have a page on my school website that's my favorite link. 
drugs. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, you can go anywhere on here. Because a lot of them are those instrument, you know, based websites. So I could say, you go anywhere here. So that gives them some student choice of what they want to go and explore. Mm -hmm. There's this really great website that has a super long name that I don't even think I can come up with now. But when you open it, it's playing Benjamin Britten's Guide to the Orchestra or whatever that's called. And then you Mm -hmm. click on the different sections and then there's like a little quiz right there online about the different families. I think I know what you're talking about. So we'll be sure to include that in the links because it's a really good one. Um, But it has some long con title if I remember correctly at least it did I yeah, haven't looked at it recently, I, I can but... I can hear yes and visualize you know that exactly opening. I know what but I'm talking, that one's talking about. a really good one to leave for the kids mm-hmm. and then of course you know worksheets I have to give a shout out to Alien Miracle Mrs. Miracle's music room has a really great set of no prep um, instrument worksheets that are perfect for stations and subs right um, so I'm able to print out the set and then just leave the specific one and then I just make a little box or organizer for each grade so first grade is doing a percussion centered one second grade right, is doing you know exactly. so they're making sure that they're doing so how many stations would you do for example so i typically have five stations i do too so you could have a smart board station yep it's usually a smart board station a listening station yeah or a exploratory technology station in right. my case um instrument or a worksheet station worksheet station um, a fourth station is something that I created a long time ago, and it's a matching game. Oh, and yeah. so on, like, cardstock, mm-hmm. I just used, you know, stock photos of instruments, did two of each, printed on cardstock, laminated it. And so, then for younger kids, you just have the word. Right. So you, like, you have to match violin with a picture of the violin with the word violin. Oh, right. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. The one that I use is actually two exact cards that are the same thing. Sure. Because, you know, if you've got violin and cello, it gets confusing. So, this is true. Um, even with the older kids, they, they do fine with that. Um, and then I do try to leave a station of them actually playing or participating in an instrument. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, You could that have a tricky. brass buzzing mouthpiece station. You or, could. you know, uh, reeds gets a little tricky. Well, see, and that's why I kind of cheat because, again, fourth grade, that's usually when I've introduced recorder. And if I have introduced recorder at by the time that we're doing this, it just becomes a recorder practice station. Right. Um, if it's not, then I usually try to leave something else that's interactive but not actually I wonder if you something. can get, like... Flute head joints, um, or that might be somewhere where you can, or... if you're if you're trusting and you feel like the kids can handle it. If like you know, like I mentioned in that House of Sound YouTube video, they talk about you know the science of things and they mm-hmm. do a thing with straws. Where oh they yeah, cut the straws. Uh-huh. So I mean, you could leave something like that, and then they each have their own straw and they right. take it with them. Um, something that I love for third grade is they call them music makers or the little lap harps, and they're like the little trapezoid shaped instruments where you you slide the card underneath Mm -hmm. um i have two of those and so they just take turns playing those and it just gives them an experience another thing that's fun is the standing on a string and stretching it yeah and changing the tension to make different pitches or you could leave you know the good old like kleenex box guitar thing where you've got rubber bands again know your kids (laughs) (laughs) you have rubber bands and uh you know hollow boxes i mean you'd have to gather a lot of materials if you're going to do this with every class but but... how meaningful to have that and then they could take that with them and maybe that's something you could talk to your art teacher about just throwing it out there yeah maybe your art teacher can help you and with uh, first grade, when they're learning about percussion, just real simple, I leave out a whole box of all the percussion instruments they know the name of, and I tell them just to play a guessing game where, they like, if there's a group of four kids, three of them close their eyes, one of them plays the instrument, and they just have to say what it is. There you go. And, I mean, they love it. Yeah. And they each get to You could even, like, playing. you know, fashion some music stands together and, like, a little um, fabric hanging down and make it really 
special where a oh. kid goes behind. You just put two music stands together, yeah. and then you clip fabric, dark fabric, and have it hanging down, and you go behind the curtain. Oh, fire. my. That's super fancy. Oh, no, it's so easy, though. Or you could bird box it and have them wear a blindfold. <laughs> you could. You could. And then they have to find their way out of the room at the end of oh class. Oh, my. That's really dramatic. <laughs> have our work smarter not harder teacher tip yeah Tanya's got one for us today I do and it's uh something I've been doing these past three days um you know we're always looking for ways of doing the same thing a different way right right and that is really appealing to the novelty of things is really um can get kids attention oh yeah so there's this is a strategy that maybe a lot of people already know but it's something that I that we've been doing um in the mentor training and cognitive type coaching that um, I do on the side yeah. for the district. But it's called That's Me. So maybe you know already know this. This is where you have a classroom of kids and it could be that you're reviewing a concept or it could be just like to take a read of the room. Yeah. Um, and you make a statement and you say, now, if this is something that is true for you, you stand up and you say, that's me. Oh, it's kind of like never have I ever. Kind of, but no drinking. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So I was going to say the clean version. <laughs> right. So I did it in two different ways. So yeah. I did it as kind of a, like, um, n- with a, a specific grade level that I, I'm like, we got to get into things. Yeah. I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about our our break and how much fun we had. Well, yeah. I think it was um, third grade is what I was doing it with because we're, we're still playing. We're, we're playing recorders. We're getting back into that. I want to make sure we have time for this, this, this. Yeah. So I said, okay. I'm going to, like, talk about some things that maybe you did over break. If that was something you do, you stand up and say, that's me. So I'm like, I got to leave Colorado and be with my family in another state. That's me. Right? So it's a way of sharing. Yeah. So there's there's that way to do it. And then with my fifth graders, um, I did it. Well, we did our sharing circle. But we also did a brief review of rules and procedures and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have four basic rules in the music room. And instead of pairing and sharing, I said, okay, of these four rules, I want you to look at all of them and think about if you were in charge, which one do you think is the most important, right? Uh-huh. And then I just go over like, oh, rule one says listen to the directions the first time they are given. Who thinks that's the most important? That's me, right? Cool. And then I followed it up with, all right. Of all those four rules, what do you personally have the most trouble with? And ah. I'll tell you kids right now that for me, it's listening to directions the first time they're given. When I was in stu- school, I just wanted to talk to everybody, and I got in trouble in science Still class. Do. <laughs> yeah. Because I was talking to people yeah. and not paying attention. So I would say this one, because you got to like be a little bit vulnerable and, and show some humility before you ask them to do the same thing. So, and then we just run through, okay, this one's the hardest for me. Respect your classmates and teacher. That's me. Um, And we don't go into a big discussion about why. Sure. But it's just kind of a way to like share without taking a long time. And so it's the that's me strategy. Nice.
And now it's the coda section where we each share a professional or a personal recommendation, something we've been enjoying recently. And Carrie, you're up first. Tell All us right. something. Well, I've actually been reading a book for Ooh. pleasure, which I do wow. not do very often. But my husband gave me a book for as one of my Christmas gifts this year. And um, it's a little cheesy, but I'm going to admit oh, please. slightly Just... guilty pleasure. I am reading Origin by Dan Brown. Oh, is, <laughs> so, he, is he the Da Vinci Code guy? He's the Da Vinci Code guy and the Angels and Demons guy. And he has written two books and then came out with the well I mean two books since those biggies and then now origin and I haven't read the ones in between but I started reading origin over winter break just it's just kind of like a just fun kind of fluff book and it's really exciting and I'm loving it so if you like that you know kind of historical artsy thriller and I mean part of what I love about these books is that he references all these obviously real places real pieces of art so like I have my phone at the ready and like while I'm reading the book I'm constantly looking up that. That's, what the that's real fun. art looks like. And he mentions a piece of music that I've never heard of, some composition um, by a composer, I think his name is Klein, called like monotone silence I believe where like that the sounds orchestra, exciting well yeah right the orchestra plays the D major chord and choir for 20 minutes oh. and then there's silence for 20 minutes and you're supposed to hear like all these ringing things in your head that's very John Cage it is but it was writing it at the same time and they were unaware of each other so it wasn't a copycat thing I looked oh. up later anyways the point being that it's just a fun simple read I haven't finished it yet so okay. I guess you know I could change my mind it could by the turn time. but I'm not really much of a like sit down and read and oftentimes when I do I fall asleep but mm-hmm. I like read this book straight like for two hours last night and I was like I couldn't stop it was right. that kind of book so I mean we're not talking talking like you know high level you know academia here but it's a, it's a, it's a good page turner if you're just looking for something fun and you like that genre okay yeah cool your turn well you know what i'm gonna talk about a book too wow look at us reading Tanya. i know well okay i so i gotta explain myself because i will say i am not a good reader anymore yeah. i when i was younger especially when i was a kid I was a voracious reader, okay. and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, and yeah. I would reread books, and I tell you, since I started teaching, it is almost like... It's hard. It is hard, and, and I feel guilty, and, and yeah. it's horrible, and honestly, I can probably name two books I read last year, and one of them was one that we had World over the music summer, pedagogy. World Music Pedagogy. Well, that's why we forced ourselves to do it, and I we're know. so glad we did. We are, yeah. but so anyway, in light of the new year and making my... 19 for 2019 list, which are not resolutions, but just like things I want to make sure get done. Yeah. Um, I really want to start reading again. And I went on Goodreads and I made myself a reading goal, which is like ambitious for me that I said I'd read 12 books by the end of the year. Now, yeah. okay, considering I can only come up with like two that I read all the way through, yeah. um, that's, that's good for me. And I just really want to get back into reading. Part of this issue that I have is that when I start reading a book for pleasure, like a fiction book or not even nonfiction, um, I won't, st- I won't finish it. Like I'll yeah. stop reading a book. If I'm 50 pages in and I'm like, Oh, I want to read now, but uh, I'm reading that book. I'll just, I'm done. Yeah. So I've started a lot of books and not finished and I don't even know what I want to read anymore. So yeah. I stumbled upon, um, I was really trying to over the break, think about okay now I just got to spend some time figuring out what I want to read not like what specific book but like what kind of reader 
am I, what's going to get me excited about reading again? Yeah. So there's this um, podcast, first of all, called What Should I Read Next? Oh, okay. I all need right? to listen to this. And it is put out by this woman who calls herself Modern Mrs. Darcy. Okay. And she has a blog. And she has, I mean, she, talk about a voracious reader, like, she, that's her thing, that, wow. like, her career is writing and blogging and podcasting, and she's written a couple books as well. And I started listening to this podcast called What Should I Read ne- Next, and it's so awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Because she invites somebody on, and they talk about their reading lives, and then this the guest that she has on mentions three books they love, one book that they don't like at all, and um, then... Anne Bogle, who is Modern, modern Miss Darcy, talk, says, okay, here are some recommendations. I think you would love this book, and I think you would love this book, and nice. here's why. Yeah, that's so what I just mean. listening to that podcast really got me revved up. Yeah. Well, on her blog, she also has like these mini courses that you can do online. And so for $10, I signed up to do this what kind of reader are you quiz oh. and like course, and it's like an hour on video. Okay. And it's really, really interesting so i made my list on goodreads i put it on there and i even put some holds in the library yeah because hey i have a library card i know that was i was using uh, mine in the summer and then i was so guilty of like i put a hold on the book and then i get the email like your book's ready and be like okay i'll go get it and then like a month would go by and i'd be like oops i never got that book i know so i'm trying to be i put some holds on like in a an evening of like fury of like listing books that yeah. I think I want to read I put like three or four holds on books yeah and like two of them came in yeah so I went and got the first one that came in which is called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch okay and this is it's like it's kind of sci-fi yeah it's kind of time travel-y okay um it's very suspenseful this author he's written for television as well yeah and I read this book in like the last week that's awesome. Which for me is like, hey, yeah. I'm used to like reading a couple chapters and then like two months later I go, oh, do I want to finish that? Right. So this one was just really a fun read, really fascinating. And um, I'm about, right after we stop recording, I'm going to go to the library and turn this in and get my next two holds. Yay! So, Yay yeah. for the library. <laughs> I'm actually working a plan to be a better reader. Yeah. That's exciting. So, anyway, my uh, from all that, my big recommendations are the podcast, What Should I Read Next? Yeah. The blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, because it got me revved up about yeah. reading. And the website, Goodreads, where you can, like, put in all the information about books that you want to read and you can do a reading challenge and the other fun thing is that once you've read a book you can say when you started it and when you stopped it and you can keep a record that way oh cool so there you go the accountability piece is good too exactly we've reached the double bar line thank you for listening to music teacher coffee talk Show notes can be found at Teaching Music, Tanya's Kodai Aspiring Blog. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be continuing our series of how to teach the, quote, other stuff. We'll be talking next about how to teach expressive elements. And until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.